0: Well, my friends, today we have some good readings uh, with regard to Exodus and then its later fulfillment in our gospel, talking in a particular way about the role of the priesthood and we can consider it with regard to spiritual fatherhood and what that means for us and how we see that in our faith. So first we have... In the book of Exodus, it is, this is the moment, chapter 19 of the book of Exodus, when the people of Israel finally arrive at Mount Sinai, right? So this is, they get to the mountain, and we know, like, the whole rest of the book of Exodus is going to take place at the mountain. So they get there, and this is when the Lord says, uh, you know, makes this promise with them, that he, they will be my special possession dearer to me than all other people, right? That Israel was God's special people. Uh, They are his nation. And particularly, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, right? A kingdom of priests. So what does it mean? What is Israel supposed to be? The whole nation is meant to be a kingdom of priests. And so the whole nation is meant to be that they offer sacrifice to God and and a kingdom of priests, it also can be translated as a royal priesthood, right? A royal priesthood, so that the nation of Israel is the royalty of the earth and they would go out. This was the plan. They would be formed in the law and then eventually they would go and they would be the rulers of all the Gentile nations and be offering right sacrifice to God. And that is plan A. And then Moses goes up the mountain for 40 days to talk to God. And while he's there, what are supposed to be the kingdom of priests, all God's priests, the whole nation, they worship the golden calf. And as a result, as a result of that, it's they are unfit because of their idolatry. They're unfit to be this kingdom of priests. And so it's after the golden calf that Levi, the tribe of Levi, and the Levites are kind of set aside and those will be the priests and everyone else not so much. But it wasn't ever intended, that wasn't plan A. It's because of the people's sin, because of the golden calf. Well, what happens now in the church? What do we see Jesus do? How many tribes of Israel were there? How many sons did Jacob, Israel have? That are supposed to be the the twelve. There's twelve of them. So now, what does Jesus do in the ninth and tenth chapter of John's, of Matthew's gospel? In the tenth chapter of Matthew's gospel, Jesus appoints his twelve apostles. His twelve apostles, because Jesus isn't just a rabbi who's doing rabbi things. Rather, Jesus is. Refounding Israel. He's refounding the nation. He is the new Adam. He's the new Moses. He is refounding Israel. And so the 12 apostles, here are the new 12 tribes of Israel. And so as we read their names in the gospel, these are Jesus' closest followers. They're, they're absolutely they're they're fallible and they're imperfect, but they are the ones that he chooses. And we believe that the church is built on apostolic foundations. So in the Creed, in just a few minutes, we're going to pray that we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. It means that the church is founded on the, 12, on the preaching of the twelve apostles. On Peter's confession of faith, and Jesus says, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. We're going to get to that later on in the summer. But then now the twelve apostles, apostolic foundations that we can trace our church, and we can trace particularly the hierarchy of the church, right back to the apostles. And so whenever we read the names of the twelve apostles, you know it could be easy. Just anytime you get a list of things, it could be easy to check out. Right? It could be very easy to be like, I whatever. Those are the they're the twelve. Like no, these are individuals. They're individual men Jesus called and chose. Right? Simon, whom He called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, who was the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. It's interesting, Matthew in his gospel is the only one who identifies himself as the tax collector in the list of the apostles, right? As if he's saying in his own gospel, like, yeah, none of these apostles came from perfect backgrounds. I myself, right in the gospel, was a tax collector, right? Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus. Thaddeus. Simon from Cana, and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him, the 12 apostles. And the church founded upon these apostolic foundations. And so it's from the relationship to the apostles that we have the role of spiritual fatherhood in the church. And so the apostles, they went out and they started with just the Jewish nations and Jewish people calling them back, right, go out, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so they went and they preached primarily to Jewish people while Jesus was alive. And then it's after Pentecost that they're now sent out to all the nations, empowered by the Holy Spirit to go to all nations, finally getting back to that plan that we had back at Mount Sinai, that the people would be founded in the law of God, which now is not the old law but the new law of the Holy Spirit, and that they would go out, the 12 tribes, going out to all nations and preaching the gospel and bringing the message of God and being a royal priesthood, being, offering sacrifice and exercising a role of governance. And that's exactly what the role of particularly those who serve in the clergy in the church are, the uh, bishops and then the priests who assist them in that ministry, and then the deacons that assist in particularly the ministry of service. All of the roles of hierarchy in the church are acts of service. The first is the bishop, right? The bishop is a successor of the apostles. And so our bishop, Archbishop Blair, is a successor of these 12 apostles. He shares in that same mandate from Jesus. And so he is a chief priest. He's a high priest, right? He offers sacrifice. Archbishop Blair every day celebrates the mass, and he prays for us. We are the people, right? We are his people. He offers sacrifice, and he does exercise governance, and he rightly and justly exercises a role of governance. He governs the portion of the church That is in Hartford, New Haven, and Litchfield counties in the state of Connecticut. That makes up the Archdiocese of Hartford. And he, as an apostle, Jesus gives the apostles authority. And so Archbishop Blair has authority in this area as our apostle. And we should look to him. And we should pray for him. Now, all these roles of authority and all of this Offering of sacrifice, and as well, there's the ministry of teaching, right? The teaching office is exercised as a share in God's own spiritual fatherhood. Today is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of our fathers. But our father, our spiritual father in the Archdiocese of Hartford, is Archbishop Blair. He's our spiritual father. He exercises a paternal authority, Uh, he exercises, he should have a fatherly care for each one of us. Uh, it's interesting, we don't call a bishop's father, we call priest's father, but we could rightly call a bishop father, right? It would make sense. He, he's our father. Uh, and so he exercises this share in the fatherhood of God the Father. And he should be for us an image of the, a good dad that God the Father is to each one of us. And we, as the people in the archdiocese, we have a certain obligation to, to love him and to respect him and to pray for him, that we're called by the fourth commandment to honor our father and our mother. And so we're called in a spiritual way as well to honor those with spiritual authority. And so we should pray frequently for our, he's our apostle, Archbishop Blair. We should pray for him. We should, we should listen to him, right? If he's acting within the realm of his authority, if he tells us, to do, like, secular things, right? Archbishop Blair sets a new speed limit. Well, he doesn't have authority to do that. But within the realm of his spiritual authority, when he exercises that authority, we should listen to him. I'm reading the uh, letters right now. I actually just finished this morning. Reading the letters of St. Ignatius of Antioch, one of the fathers of the church, one of the very earliest writers. He, he uh, knew... St. Polycarp, who knew St. John the Evangelist, right? So we're talking very early in the 100s. And I'm reading these things, and there's some good theology there. But a lot of what Ignatius says is, listen to your bishop. Love your bishop. He says, nihil sine episcopo, nothing without the bishop, right? Don't do anything apart from the bishop's mission and his authority and his, his role as father, and so it's, you know, I'm trying to, like, I'm looking for all kinds of other theology. Just again and again, Ignatius is like, love your bishop, support your bishop, right? Encourage your bishop. We, we have to try to encourage Archbishop Blair with our prayers and when we see him, offer him our encouragement. And so Ignatius is saying this, and I'm like, get, get to some other theology, Ignatius. No, maybe I need to hear this myself, right? To love and to obey and to encourage and pray for our bishop. And then our priests as well. Our priests share in the ministry of the bishop. They don't. It's not any ministry of our own. We share in the bishop's ministry. Father Gutierrez and myself and Monsignor Matera, we share in Archbishop Blair's ministry. We are just cooperators with him. But in the way that we exercise and try to exercise this spiritual fatherhood, right? It's not, my vocation is not just to run, Four nonprofits in the city of New Britain, right? No. It's to be father and it's to be priest, and at times to exercise that governance over our spiritual patrimony and sometimes to make difficult decisions, right? Parents have to do that with regard to their families at times, making making tough decisions and, and needing to see what the good of the family entails, but it should always be done in an attitude of fatherhood, of of exercising. That fatherhood. Okay, here's a last point, right? Uh, The Israelites were called to be a kingdom of priests. And so there's the ministerial priesthood sharing in the mission given to the apostles. But with Jesus, the new Moses, we also have, we believe, the priesthood of the baptized. So we all share in the priesthood of Jesus Christ. What does a priest do? Offers sacrifice. And so we all share in that ability to offer sacrifice. And so we all share in the priesthood of Jesus. And so throughout the day, we could offer any number of sacrifices, doing whatever we do in the day, doing it with real love. We share in that royal priesthood of Jesus Christ, right? We are royalty because we are part of the family of the children of God, and we share in the priesthood of Christ so each one of us can daily, on account of our baptism, offer sacrifice. And it could be the littlest things, right? Doing dishes, changing a dirty diaper, helping, just being patient with someone that gets on our nerves. And instead of just doing it to get it done, we as a kingdom of priests, every one of us, can offer that sacrifice, that sacrifice of love to the Father in the person of Christ. Right after Mass little Levi Gilbert, sitting in the back there with his mom and dad, is going to get baptized. And so today, today he gets adopted into the life of the Trinity, so he can call God his father in this deeply intimate way, being another Christ. And Levi today, interesting, his name's Levi, right? Like the Levites? Well, Levi becomes a priest today. He becomes a priest of Jesus Christ, sharing in Jesus' priesthood, and he becomes part of the Royal priesthood, he'll be anointed with chrism, right? We just had, if you watched it, I didn't, but the coronation of the King of England, right? And there was an anointing. Well, we anoint our Levi as he shares in the kingship of Jesus Christ as well, part of this royal priesthood. And so we're going to pray for Levi during the we pray for him, uh, but that's each one of us had that at our own baptism, that we are brought into this role. and so Let's, on this Father's Day, consider that, that this was the original vocation, to be a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood. And we share that in our baptism, uh, but then in a special way, those who share that as successors of the apostles, particularly our bishop, we should love our bishop. We should pray for him every single day, in every mass. We pray for him, in the, we're being united with him in the Eucharistic prayer. We pray for him, uh, we listen to him, nothing without the bishop, uh, as he is our apostle. And he's our connection to Jesus Christ. And we thank our Lord for instituting this new Israel and fulfilling this promise for each of us to be the nation of a royal priesthood.